Welcome to T-Set Pass, my weekly Yu-Gi-Oh! podcast where we talk about all things from competitive to casual. This week is slightly more competitive than normal because I'm entering my first Yu-Gi-Oh! regional in about two years. You may be wondering what a regional is, and if you've ever competed in any kind of sport, then you'll probably know that a regional is a slightly larger tournament where duelists can come together and compete for the top spot. In Yu-Gi-Oh! competitively, games are best of three, and you only have 40 minutes a game. If you hit the end of 40 minutes, and you often do, then the person with the most life points wins that game, which can be very nasty. Like I say, I haven't entered one of these tournaments for a very long time, and I only did one before, and it's incredibly draining. You arrive very early in the morning, and you could be there until very late in the evening. I don't think we got out till about 6 or 7 last time. Which isn't so bad if you're out having fun, but if you're playing Yu-Gi-Oh! all day, your brain will be cooked. It takes a lot of thought, and there's some stress involved. If anyone remembers Yu-Gi-Oh! GX, I think I'm planning to go with a hero deck. It won't just be elemental heroes like back in the day, it'll be a nice mix of all the new types of heroes that have come out in the years since. As I am very much beginning my career in competitive Yu-Gi-Oh!, a career that could be cut very short depending on how terribly this weekend goes, I decided to speak to someone who's very experienced in the field. Sladra, who used to go by the name Asianize on YouTube, is one of the biggest Yu-Gi-Oh! content creators around. Here's a little chunk of the conversation that we had about what got him into Yu-Gi-Oh! and how he feels as a competitive player, or at least as an ex-competitive player in terms of Yu-Gi-Oh! I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I did, because I learned a lot from him. How did you sort of get into the game initially, before even you maybe started making stuff about it? So, I knew about the game, like as a kid, you know, you see like Pokemon cards, Digimon cards, I collected all of them, but I really didn't know how to play too much. Hmm. But with Yu-Gi-Oh, I like actually picked up the game. Like technically I had played the game before, but when I really enjoyed myself with the game was with the Game Boy Advance game, Eternal Duelist Soul. Mm. And that got me into learning and I was like, oh man, this game is so cool. And then I'm not sure exactly what made me want to like play the game um, and go to locals more than the PSP game. There was a, oh, what was it called? It was like Tag Duel. It was one of the Tag Duel games. Yeah, the and G- I the built GX this deck. Ones. And I was like, wow, this is so cool because like I was winning every single time against the AI, but like winning against AI is like nothing. And I, I had this stall deck with Solar Flare Dragon. And I was like, dude, I, I could go win like tournaments with this. I'll never lose because, you know. They kind of attack. They kind of attack when you've got two. Or, yeah. Or I can't remember. I thought it was. Like, yeah. Yeah. You, you just had two Solar Flare Dragons and I had like Gravity Bind, Level Limit, Area B. And I was like, this is the most OP deck, Wave Motion Cannon. I was like, they can never attack me and I'll just wait and I just win every single time. And then you go to a real tournament and you get absolutely destroyed. Um, the. I think it was. It was some sort, I don't know if it was a, they called them SJCs before. Before it was YCS, they called them SJCs. Yeah. I don't know if it was one of that or regionals. It's like uh, Shonen Jump I, Championship because they do the magazine, don't they? Well, they yeah, yeah, they, yeah. yeah, they used to be called SJCs before they got changed to YCSs. But yeah, I took my deck there and I, I, I felt like I couldn't play. I was like, I was so confused. But like, it's because you don't really know what the meta is because I didn't know what the heck meta was, which is kind of like you play with the cards that you think are good and you put them in a deck. And then yeah. eventually I picked up like Lightsworn, Black Wings, Glad Beast, like all like the the core like three decks that I think that were really good for players to understand like Yu-Gi-Oh, specifically Glad Beast. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, this game is so cool. And I had the idea like, oh, I can't wait to be able to go to this tournament and then qualify and get my Nats invite and go to play Worlds. And I got my Nats invite. I don't remember what year it was, but. And then I started thinking about like, you know, 
other games. I started looking at other games for their prize pools. Like, yeah. if you look at Fortnite's prize pool compared to Yu-Gi-Oh's, it's non-existent. Yeah. And that kind of deterred me from really like wanting to go just to these events to go place. Hmm. And all you really can get from placing with Yu-Gi-Oh is yeah, you get uh, at the time you used to be able to get a binder, you'd get a mat, you'd get some packs, and like in terms of like cost effectiveness because i was working i had like a normal human job at the time yeah and so i was thinking well i'm taking like three to four days off i'm paying usually i'd go with my friends and we'd split a hotel we'd split gas and it would be like several days off of work i'd have to have a deck that's several hundred dollars and i'd be like yeah and you know at the time doing that workers i was like well i can just go play over here and i started recording my own videos and through that, I, I had a lot more fun doing stupid stuff yeah. than like taking the game seriously. Yeah. Do you like um, some of the stuff that you see in animes and that stuff? Yeah. It's um. I was gonna say I, I had the exact same experience when I was a kid. I think when I was maybe 13, 14. I remember going to my first locals. It was like a, a pile of. It wasn't like it wasn't like just like a bunch of blue eyes, but it was very much sort of like that stru- couple of structure decks put together. Um, and I went there and I was, I think maybe round one or round two, I was against a, a Glad Beast duelist at sort of like peak Glad Beast format. And I'm like, what is this contact? F- that, this Glad Beasts aren't in the anime. Well, I haven't seen these cards before and they're doing contact fusion. He's blown up half my field and I can't do anything. It was, it was like, a, it's a very, it's a very humbling experience. I think going to your first tournament and getting absolutely curb stomped by somebody who knows what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. But did, uh, did like, and, and, and you were so right about, the cost of time in the game versus the reward you get out of it it's yeah that- yeah it's such a, a steep curve for some people and and it's a good reason why a lot of people don't play especially like you talked about 700 pound decks currently current format what is Kashtira at least was like a, it was a, it's a grand I think for the most optimal Kashtira build and even then Kashtira everyone's playing around it yeah it's definitely an expensive hobby but like I've I've looked at other expensive hobbies like airsoft, paintball, like any hobby that anyone enjoys, right? There is going to be a cost with it. Yeah, so like the huge drive for me originally with Yu-Gi-Oh is like, I I thought legitimately like I had the best deck, I'm gonna go win tournaments, but then I started playing and like, even if I was to win the tournament, the, the payout, what do you get off of it? I guess you get to be able to say I won, but <laughs> when you compare it to like other games, like uh, like for example, like I participated in uh, Black Desert. They had a uh, they had a battle royale game. They were promoting, and I got invited to the streamers' invitationals, and it was just a one day event, and I took fifth place and won a thousand dollars for fifth. Just <laughs> yeah, for fifth, and. That was just way better in terms of like, I didn't have, I obviously you still have to practice with any video game, right? You're not gonna be able to just be like, go in and just auto win unless, you know, I know there's there's the argument with certain Yu-Gi-Oh decks, any like Mystic Mine or Final Countdown, even Frog FTK, where once you learn the thing, your opponent for the most part doesn't matter. Like as in you're playing with a different sort of game sense, like in terms of like what you need to know. With like Frog FTK, like you just win turn one. But there are plays where like you can side deck out of Frog FTK and go to like Monarch Frogs and you can do other things. But for the most part, the amount of time that you spent sometimes with Yu-Gi-Oh, the interesting thing is, is no matter how much time you put in, there's still RNG. It's probably the same thing with like maybe Hearthstone or Magic the Gathering too, where like sometimes you can have the best hand and you 
still like lose because he has the better hand. Like you have the best hand in your deck, but his deck just wins. And that's one one thing I've hated with yeah. Yu-Gi-Oh. Like um, even like I still have it. It's even uploaded on my channel. Like when I was trying to push for the highest rank you can get in Master Duel, the the final game that got me to the highest rank of the game, my opponent literally could not play the game. I stopped. I had. Um, this was uh, before when Hockey Fibrox existed. Yeah. The the end board was they can't play any spells. I have five Omni Negates, and if they set anything, the guy was playing um, Eldritch because at the time Sky Striker and Eldritch were like the two top two meta decks. The uh, you can go into Kristron. How does it? It, it was the uh, the so when it pops all the back row. It's a synchro. I forgot what it was. Uh, God, I know you. Yeah, I know you mean it's on the top of my head. But yeah, it's yeah. a synchro. You end up going for like shooting star dragon, and then you end up popping all their back rows. So you like set three or four cards, and then on the end phase, I make that, and it pops everything. And so basically, there's no spells, there's no traps, and you have five uh, monster effect negates. Hmm. And it didn't matter what he was playing, pretty much. Like unless he happened to have. It, it, my variant played out in a bureau because there's a there's a certain play where he's like you make yourself immune, obviously with. Um, uh, Missinosaurus, so you're basically immune, you lose out on like another like negation with uh, Alpalusa, but for the most part, it, it plays out in a bureau relatively easy, unless they stop, unless they have like Ghost Ogre, and on top of that they have like Ash Boss, they have to have like so many hand traps. And at that point, let's say they had all the hand traps, they begin their turn, what, they've discarded four cards from their hand to be hand traps, and what, they're gonna make a whole play now with one card, two cards maybe? Like, it's, yeah. Well, the thing is, is like, I even go back sometimes, and I look at like the old, like, people that I used to look up with, Yu-Gi-Oh, like Caesar Gonzalez, Adam Korn, these people that were really good, and there was a video by Adam Korn, and he was getting upset at the time where I think it was like plant format where there's gravekeepers. Like at one point, gravekeepers and plants were like relatively popular. Yeah. And he was complaining about how the game took a lot less skill, that it took no critical thinking anymore. And what's crazy is a lot of the stuff that he's mentioning, it's just gone further and further down that hole of like, what is card advantage? It doesn't even mean anything anymore. Cause back in the day, it's like cards in hand, you know, you have two or three cards maybe you can make a play with two to three cards but nowadays you need one card and you could otk you could pull off crazy combos with one to two cards mm. whereas back in the day your resources mattered a lot more and it's interesting to see like how the game has evolved but like now i'm more into the i just like to have fun with the game yeah pushing the best deck like i i could go play master duel and get rank one in the game but what's what's really the point in, in doing it other than for creating content, which people sometimes complain about, oh, you're, you're, you're just able to play this deck, that's how you get to the highest rank. And it's like, well, you kind of got to. It's not like a, a fighting game or uh, other video games where like you could be really good with one character. Like you could be the best Crystal Beast player, but are you gonna have a good time against Cash Tira when all the zones are locked out? It, it doesn't matter how good you are, if yeah. that makes any sense. And some decks you can pilot amazingly. Like I think, I think when the Crystal Beast deck came out, I did a video saying, you know, should you buy the deck? And I was like, no, you should buy the staples. And then, you know, a couple of months later, people come in and they're like, you, you're an idiot, you know, the Crystal Beast deck, it just got like top 16. I think it was ne the Neshi guy playing it, who all he does is, if you look at his channel, all it is is Crystal Beast combo tech. Like he's given his life to that deck. And I'm like, he's very, very good with that deck. 
I don't think you're going to be like Joe, Joe blogs off the street. You're going to pick up the crystal piece structure deck and you're going to go to locals. You might win. You know what I mean? Like some people are very, very, very good pilots and they take some medium to high tier decks and they, they win those tournaments because they know exactly what they're doing. That doesn't mean that if I gave, you know, if, even if you gave the top winning deck to somebody who's never played the game before, obviously they'd be in a much better position to win. But sometimes a pilot does make a difference to, to elevate a, a mediocre deck. That doesn't mean the deck isn't weaker. Like it's a fundamentally weaker deck to play. If you're playing Crystal Beast versus Cash right now, maybe if the best pilot in the world scums it out, but they're, they're putting in a lot more effort for what they're getting out of it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, you could definitely be really good with deck. Like most people thought I was stupid for playing dinosaurs when I was trying to push for the highest rank. Cause uh, in Master Duel, I don't remember what the exact list was, but I remember it was a lot different than the TCG. Yeah. Uh, in terms of like what you could play. But the thing is that some people like they've learned the deck in and out. And uh, other day you can make like five negates with Crystal Beast. I probably have videos hmm. showing that off. But can you do it every single turn consistently with like one to two cards? Mm, maybe not. But right. like if you know what combos work with the, the certain cards, sure. Like you said, like if you put a lot more time into it, that's that's going to pay off. Yeah, Definitely. you see those ones like you mentioned the crystal, the the, the Hacker Fibrax combos, which would end on the Omni Negates and and the, the pops, and you can make those in lots and lots of decks. You know, it's like if you it, you'd you'd see these on like things like the like the Table Five Hundred duels, that kind of thing. Somebody would have this amazing Wombo combo. I'm going through seven hundred Infinity cards. I'm ending on three Negates and and two pops and stuff. It's like, but you can do that easier you can do that all off a one card play if i was playing a better deck you know <laughs> you can do it with your yeah. with the bad deck but you you could do it for half the time and in half the cards and then still have room for hand traps if you were playing something like the punk package or something you can spam out those synchros easier just yeah it's, it's yeah you're, you're very right in terms of like yeah you can do a lot of things but can you do it consistently and can you do it for the same amount of resources because uh, resources to, to the to the current meta decks just don't mean a lot when you've got a lot of one card starters. Yeah, I think that that's definitely something that's like changed with the game, and I'm sure that later down the line there's going to be uh, lots of other like one to two card combos that kind of do the same thing. At the end of the day, now Yu-Gi-Oh has, for me at least, it's become okay. Can your deck make? so many negates that turn one your opponent cannot play if it's not that I, I like i genuinely read the comments and when i show off like i remember when i was showing off war rock or even the more recent vs or like well this deck sucks it doesn't make five negates i mean while they are correct on that that's just the nature of like the competitive player base hmm. like that's all that's all we really care about is does it negate and destroy no okay well then let's move on to a, another deck hmm. well it's kind of sad but that's that's the way it is. The way I view Yu-Gi-Oh is like it's it's a game where it caters towards more the elite player base, and that's the same thing with some fighting games. Like for example, like Marvel versus Capcom, like you you're either really good at the game or you really don't get to play. You just get comboed and you just have to sit there and take it. And that's just how Yu-Gi-Oh is. And some people like it. Some people prefer. Um, games that have a mana system, but I actually like that Yu-Gi-Oh didn't have a mana system because I, I could just go full on in and it was cool. But I understand why a lot of games, a lot of card games will have some sort of system where like you have energy or mana, you can't just summon everything at once. But 
thing in. I think that that's what's good with Yu-Gi-Oh! And I think that it should stay because it's what makes the game different than like 90% of the different card games. Hmm. I was thinking about... Clearly Konami think the same as you. They don't want to stop the, the freedom, but they also want to put a curb on it sometimes. Obviously, sometimes they clearly don't care at all when they make the, the next crazy gas. I was just thinking back to the, the video where they announced Nibiru was coming. And I remember the guy justifying it. So, you know, we had a talk and that five summons is probably when things are starting to go a bit crazy. Like Anything up to five is probably okay. Do you think there's like a ruling or a card or a mechanic that you you know that you can think of how would you sort of in the same way that Nibiru is like all right you've gone over four you've taken the piss now here's the rock sort of like a, a way to sort of not kill the game but put a cap on like it slow and, it down yeah or, or slow it down or restrict it or something uh, what would you do to fix the game obviously it's a bit more complicated an issue than that but like anything that comes to mind well when people say fix the game. Mm. I've heard that term thrown out a lot. Like they always say like, okay, this is not healthy for the game. But at the end of the day, what's healthy for the game in reality is, are people still buying the product? Because if people aren't buying the product, then there can't be, you know, they can't hire the artist to make the new cards. And I don't know if they really need to cater towards a different audience that would be more accepting of like, okay, this is how you play. There's a progression system. And the reason why is if you take any younger kid, right? That is playing Fortnite, or even Pokemon or any other game and you show them Yu-Gi-Oh and you explain to them all of the actual rules like the missing the timing of oh, the explanation of the battle phase it's so complex to where they can't get fresh blood in the game in my personal opinion at least yeah um, obviously their marketing division may have a way to cater towards children in fact they, I think they want to because they have all their settings on YouTube, so like you can't even put notifications on. So they are actually advertising because there's a YouTube setting that says that your content is designed for children and they have that enabled. So they want to advertise to children, obviously. That's what their goal is. But I genuinely, when I go to at least my locals, it's, there's no children. <laughs> like, once in a while, there'll be some kid, and I feel so bad, because every time there's a new, fresh little kid, it's like, hey, kid, let me see your traits, and you know he's just gonna want, like, the pretty-looking cards, and he's gonna lose out his 30 to $50 secret rares to, like, $1 cards. But the thing is, is that, is he actually going to stay in the game? Yeah. Maybe not. He's gonna get, like, the kid that goes there, where his mom's like, okay, I'll, I'll wait over here by the corner, let me know when you're done, and it's like several hours. Usually the kid ends up leaving because he loses too much, and then he'll go, like, trade and get ripped off, and then he'll be like, well, I got destroyed, and he'll never, maybe even come back. Because it usually happens, at least, in my locals. Most little kids that come one, one, one time, it could also be because, you know, the parent doesn't want to sit there, because they don't know what a Yu-Gi-Oh tournament is. Some of these tournaments, like, just for locals, for, like, even the Turbo Pack, could be several hours hours long where we go way into the midnight uh, when we're playing because the, the rounds just last too long or whatever so i don't know if whatever healthy is for the game is to try to get fresh blood because it's so hard mm. right there's so many different games that compete for your time like if you look at any video game that's coming out nowadays we have a battle pass that you got to grind and people want to try to grind out the battle pass there's so many of these like things where it's like okay there's a weekly event whatever it's hard to keep new kids into Yu-Gi-Oh! Because if you think about it, going to the locals, the parents have to consistently buy the new cards for them, and the kid might not even get the card that they want. 
So they'd probably rather just be like, here's 10 bucks, here's a battle pass, go play Call of Duty set at home so I don't have to drive you to locals. Yeah. So I think that's a huge disconnect and that's probably why we don't see too many kids. No, I think I think you're right. And I think you can tell that they're trying to appeal to kids more with the Rush, you know, like the Rush duels. Um, entirely different format, entirely different. Well, not there's obviously a, a, a root in similarity, but if I haven't played very much, I've dabbled a tiny bit just to sort of see what it's about. Drawing up to five cards a turn, summon, summon, summon. It feels very much more like dopamine driven in terms of sort of like doing things, but also the cards are very much of a lower power level than real Yu-Gi-Oh. Um, it's interesting to see them trying something, but then again, they didn't bring it to the to the West because of the whole clash of the speed duels thing. And I think there's a big disconnect there between do they want new players or do they want to just keep appeasing older players? Obviously, uh, there was that whole drama where they changed a, a Zexal character on the front of a booster pack for a DM character, and people were sort of saying it's pandering, it's pandering. But well, yeah, you know, I've noticed that a lot with any subject matter they always go back to the nostalgic dark magician blue eyes like they just did the adidas collab they focus a lot on that and what i find very interesting is with the exception of the time when the Yu-Gi-Oh movie came out and they had that special like band list to make blue eyes legitimately like one of the best decks yeah the decks aren't actually good like dark magician blue eyes even though if you ask any person because i create lots of tiktok content as well like people always think i don't know why they always think egyptian gods and blue eyes and dark magician are the best deck <laughs> i don't know why but in their mind they think that and exactly, yeah. it's funny because it's so like actually bad and i don't know why they don't make their iconic like blue eyes dark magician egyptian gods i'm not saying making them like so broken that they're the only decks playable but at least make them playable so you can actually like win with them because yeah. that will give the younger audience oh i remember blue eyes as a kid or you know people that have nostalgia nostalgia runs really well that's why dragon ball z is so successful um mm. with consistently goku's in this game or you know whatever they're, they're doing for collabs they always will go back to the original characters right well they did that one time with blue eyes but uh, they were consistently just kept support coming out even if it was a couple of cards a pack like when you look at how many black wings we've got could they not have been some little blue eyes or, or dark magicians? Yeah, Blackman's got support for a really, really long time. Same thing with Lightsworn, but sometimes with the newer support, it's just underwhelming mm. and it feels like it's pointless support. But I, I don't know, I've had this conversation before too, where like people like want every single Yu-Gi-Oh card, like whatever new archetype to come out to be really good. And I think for better archetypes to exist there has to be bad archetypes mm -hmm. like it's just kind of just how things are if you, to have the best characters some other thing has to be worse and i think that that can be okay do you have any sort of pet decks that you love that you always go back to or, or, or ones that you've had over the years like what are your favorite uh, experiences favorite decks uh, uh right now i i've been playing a lot of dinosaurs and i kind of been sticking with them because i know the deck very well and i know how to play out of a lot of things but I actually really like Glad Beast because the reason why is Glad Beast is a deck where you're punished for all of your mistakes and it feels like most of the times that you lose, it's your fault. Whereas you take a deck like Light Swarm, which I used to play a lot of, there's no control. Like sometimes you win, you lose, it's kind of just, it's like coin flipping. <laughs> you don't yeah. know exactly what's going to happen. So I try to stay away from those decks, but I like more creativity. So I try to stay away from archetypes. Mm. Uh, but now I've been honestly more than the focus in on Diablo. Like I want to do a lot more Diablo PVP. Yeah. Um, 
So in terms of like Yu-Gi-Oh, like at the end of the day, I feel like a lot of things in terms of newer decks end up being the same thing. How many negates can you throw up? Can you make up yeah. like a Palooza above the goddess and have like three or four negates on here? Can you throw up like a, a Savage Dragon in addition to where and a Turi Beast? Because I look at a deck and I think, can this d deck make above the goddess with three to four negates and a Turi Beast turn one? No, okay, I don't want to play the deck then. That's the way I genuinely see Yu-Gi-Oh right now. And that's partially why I enjoy playing these like these dumb fun formats. Like right now in that singleton format where we ban pendulums, I'm playing pure performer pal, but no pendulums. So it's all the every other thing. It's every spring goose and uh, bison phone and all the other stupid girls. Because I wouldn't play in the real game, and I, I like the fact that I can play them somewhere because they printed them. They wasted their time printing these terrible cards, and I want to play some of them somewhere. Yeah. yeah. So and I look at the game like you know, am I having fun? And most of the time, honestly, with Yu-Gi-Oh, with modern Yu-Gi-Oh versus like like playing, I mean, GOAT format and Edison or like these older formats, they are fun to an extent, but I look at it like, okay, am I really enjoying myself playing this for like multiple hours at a time? Usually I play one or two duels with older stuff and like, or if you even go back to like Teledad, I did streams where I would only, we were only doing Teledad only. And it's fun to go back and visit these older things for a while. But I, I don't know, I feel like for me personally, I want to do more things um, even outside of Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah. Uh, so I look at that like sometimes I feel like if I'm playing Yu-Gi-Oh unless I'm building a deck for, like a YouTube video I, I don't know I feel like my time could be invested better elsewhere in creating just funny skits that's where I enjoy Yu-Gi-Oh content the more funny skits that tend to do well and I genuinely enjoy seeing dumb stuff work in Yu-Gi-Oh as well and that was a small chunk of the very long and interesting conversation I had with Sladra. Please take a look at his channels, he does a lot of great content in both in video games and Yu-Gi-Oh! And feel free to take the time to leave a like, share, subscribe if you're on the YouTube version, or leave a 5 star review if you're on Apple Podcasts or Spotify versions of the podcast. Next week I'll let you know how the regional went, and uh, we'll, we'll find out together if I've got what it takes.